Hey y'all, Alan here, and welcome to A Journey's Rest, a podcast focused on the vast but deep set of topics about the complexity and joy of roleplay games. Whether you need to attune to a magic item, regain some hit points, change out spells, or just reminisce with friends, here we sit down for around about an hour and enjoy ourselves. This week, we return to telling our story of the first, quote, season of our Levitica campaign, and we describe to you a mech battle with fire, magic, valor, and evil dictator jelly? Huh. Weird. Um, either way, if you haven't heard part one, I highly suggest you go back and listen to episode 11, as that's where we start this story. Otherwise, let's get on with the show. Hope you enjoy. It's easy as that. It doesn't even have to be a big complicated intro. We don't even have to do a clap sync. We just say, and now we're in. And then we're actually here. This is the podcast now. Take that, Zach. Yeah, take that, Zach. Ha! We don't need you for clap syncing or whatever. <laughs> we do like Zach's clap syncs, though. They are nice. We? We. Oh. Uh, so I, we. at least. Okay. We for yeah. me. We, we, I mean, I'm sure that uh, that Barry likes the clap syncs, right, Barry? I do. Or am I the only one who likes the clap syncs? No, I do indeed. Okay, good then. Does Talon like the clap syncs? They're okay. They're all, okay. Uh, all right. Okay, well, okay. we're we're in the middle of the ground then. If Brooke doesn't like them, Barry likes them, I like them, and Talon's like, eh, then whatever. You know, we'll get there. I'll yeah, have to yeah. pull Zach on whether he likes them. Hi, everybody. I'm Alan, and I'm here with my wonderful, wonderful friends, and we are talking about Levitica again. We're going back Ooh. and we are going to go over that same, uh, what was it called? The end fight of season one of Levitica. Dun, dun, and dun. it's going to be crazy, guys. Um, so we've got uh, here again, Brooke and me, Alan. Hello. And uh, we've got Talon. Hey. And we've got Barry. And... Hi. Uh, we are super excited to go over the entirety of the end of the big final fight. Um, because if you guys didn't know, uh, it's a big mech battle. So mm-hmm. that's a whole thing that's happening. Well, spoilers. Uh, is that a spoiler if we're actually talking about it right now? Because like the end of this, we kind of mm. talked about finding the journal, didn't we? I think so. For anybody who's wondering what's going on right now, we had an episode in episode 11... We talked about um, we talked about the ending of our Levitica campaign, which is a campaign won by run by our wonderful DM Barry, and we kind of gave you a big recap of what's going on with that whole campaign and our characters and things like that. And basically, we are going through now and just we're going to talk to you about the final fight, which was so cool. It was yeah. I th- I felt so good during that final fight. I went positive in hit points. Barry hates it when I say that. Too many hit points. <laughs> I mean. Too many. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I mean, the, the whole thing was like, okay, wait. We should probably start at the very beginning. So just as a recap, we kind of um, shored up all of our defenses on this uh, this mountaintop that we had gotten to. 
to kind of um, set up our um, our fight against this large looming ship that was coming towards us on the horizon. Um, and I think we should start with kind of like how we prepared the scenario, right? Um, so does anybody want to start with that on how we kind of like started preparing for this final fight? I can. I mean, you got to start with the rope traps. Yeah, those are my favorite, although probably the least impactful out of like anything yeah it was so sad we put up so many rope traps i used up so much rope so guys there's a spell a level one spell called snare in the abjuration uh, school and it says you use up a, a length of rope and if anybody steps in this square for a certain amount of time they get hoisted up like they were caught in a big tree snare trap Yoink. and it's super cool I don't think a single one was stepped in except for by one of the friendly people of our team. Mm-hmm. I think that was the only thing that happened. So uh, that was hilarious and tragic at the same time. Uh, but uh, I think that I think we set down, what was it, Talon, like 14 snares? Yeah, I think it was like seven each. Yeah, so seven each. We both set up uh, seven snares so we had those. We set up uh, spike traps around this teleportation circle that was there. We dug out a trench, and I put um, Remoraz blood in in this pit for people to get uh, stabbed onto, and that was super cool. Stabbed onto the blood? Yeah. Yep, stabbed onto the blood because there were <laughs> spike traps at the bottom that would essentially impale someone onto this Remoraz blood, and... That happened. Mm-hmm. That was a thing. That that was. I think that was actually the only trap that was triggered during the entire fight. <laughs> and then uh, I was so sad, man. It was. And then we had uh, a couple other things. I think Ronan did some battle training with people, or or Ronan kind of helped get um, everything in line by being very like rigidly militarily trained. He took the people that weren't. Uh, PCs essentially and said okay we're gonna set up this camp to make it look like it's uninhabited like some disaster came through and here's how we're gonna do it and he just like gave people tasks they went and did it Um, there's this whole thing where we dug a tunnel for people to hide out in we essentially made a bunker we made a bunker for everybody yep and so that was good Mm -hmm. we hid it behind a porta potty we made it look like it was a porta potty tunnel yep which was hilarious uh i thought it was hilarious (laughs) um and then yeah i think that was mostly it i tried to contact my mom floria tried to contact his mom we did you made a tower if you oh yeah we made that we made galder's tower Mm -hmm. we made sure that galder's tower was there which was super awesome i love that spell that's such a cool spell it's like a mini magnificent mansion but it just makes a tower of stone which is so fantastic i love that spell it's very cool it's come in handy. handy. Yeah. yeah. Jinx. Exactly. A couple <laughs> yeah. for us. Yeah. And it's like been such a great defensive structure for us. And like, like Phaleos just standing on top of it, just like, sh- like slinging arrows constantly has been the dopest. Mm-hmm. But I will say so, you guys uh, did cast this tower using the first floor as a way to hide these six central cardolan crystals which they are yeah. cardolan crystals now thank you Icewind dale for that um very yeah. cool to have an actual uh 
floor name for them now in addition yeah. to all the effects it just sort of lined up perfectly but anyway these it were did, the center yeah. of the clearing and in order to hide them from prying eyes you cast the tower over it yeah and so the the first floor of the tower just sat over top of those and then we also used some of the tower to create a um like a hatch into the tunnels that we dug mm -hmm. as well and so that way we would have an egress outside of the tower if we needed to escape really quickly mm -hmm. so we had that and um from there what else what other preparation do we do guys i tried to call my mom Ew. She was cool for a minute there. You tried to contact her again. And I tried to do it again, and then I went insane. You, did you go ran insane. out on the payphone, and when you yep. went to put in your coins, your mind slipped, and you went yep. insane. Yep, mm -hmm. I went crazy there. For you a did. Moment. You know what? You went insane, and then you went to bed. It was fine. I, you know what? Like in college, that's how I feel sometimes. Honestly, <laughs> I, I understood that feeling intimately. <laughs> and so that was good. Yes. We did that, and then we. What else did we do? Um, I think that was most of our preparation. We kinda, talked to the Jarl. We had no. We had a funeral for the Jarl. Did we talk about what happened with the Jarl? We did. Okay. Yeah. We, remember the Jarl yeah. gave us the sword. Yeah. And that was his back. Yep. And that was his. That was his spine. We did yeah. have a funeral for the Jarl. We had a funeral for him. Ryan uh, was gonna keep vigil over his grave, but then Florea screamed so loud and in, yeah. in such a copious amount of pain that he was like ah, i guess i am not doing this anymore yeah you take a little bit of psychic damage when you go insane and i took a little bit of psychic you damage. took a lot of bit of psychic damage yeah you know <laughs> what i'm gonna count that you. damage for the final fight so i count that damage to me <laughs> you're no longer net that doesn't positive. count i did that to myself no yeah. i claim it <laughs> self-inflicted so i don't know okay okay that's fine it's fine okay. <laughs> that's uh, the con most so that was contact other plane yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to contact other plane. Well, when I'm an abjuration wizard, sometimes it's hard to get me to be hurt. You know what I mean? So that's just how it goes. Sometimes the hurt comes from the person closest to you. Exactly. Trust nobody. Trust nobody. Not even yourself. Exactly. <laughs> um, so no, but uh, we did all that. And then, Barry, do you want to give us kind of a rundown of how the fight started? Because we kind of knew that we were going into a fight. Mm -hmm. But I think that... Our enemy also kind of knew that she was going into a fight and she needed to rest as well. Am I correct in that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when she showed up to just kind of talk to you guys and sort of assess how you, her agents at the time, were doing on this island and what leads you had come up with, even though you weren't really sure of what exactly you were doing for her, she just shows up and says, what have you been doing? You know, I've been dealing with some stuff at work. It's been kind of a rough time, but um, I thought I needed to be here for this, so I came as quickly as I could, and by God, she did, because it's very lucky you guys didn't attack her at all, because she was completely out of spell slots, out of all of her abilities. She was mm. she was just completely donezo, and she was, <laughs> yeah, with the crazy exhaustion she had, um, was talking to you guys but the end of her conversation, her basic, like, um, the beginning of her interrogation, um, as you guys were just trying to distract her about the journal especially, she nat 20 an insight check against you all. She didn't know what it was <laughs> for, but she knew that you guys were lying in general. Uh. So that was the end of the preparation session. And so she just left. Um, then... <laughs> 
you guys got a you guys got a long rest. Um, she also needed one and comes back the next morning and tries to figure out what you guys are lying about again. And that's sort of where where everything popped off. And she fell into a pit trap. She was very unhinged almost yeah. the entire time because she, she came unhinged. back and she was like. <sighs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> it was like demonic Miss Frizzle. Just, this was just a woman pushed Miss, to the edge. Yeah, Miss Frazzle. <laughs> Miss, yeah, Miss Frazzle. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, like, one of the very first things that we that was happening was uh, we she got teleported there. Mm-hmm. And then, Barry, do you want to kind of describe Belle and what Belle was doing? Belle is... Honestly, one of my favorite randomly generated characters ever. So, Belle is a Kenku. Um, a Kenku with no arms, off the bat. Um, so, <laughs> someone who can't have original thoughts, and someone who um, carries two burlap sacks just sort of around this camp, but has a really hard time shiv- or shimmying them over her head. And so that's a whole thing, but she can't really talk. But when she does, even when it's to repeat the things that she hears, like Kenku do, she has a stutter and these random yeah. and these random outbursts. So she's constantly just tweaking. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so and- Belle, throughout like this villain monologue and the and the back and forth between the party and um, Solara, Belle's just sitting there like. Eh, eh, <laughs> so it was so good. By the way, just so in good. case anybody doesn't know, Solara is this bad girl mm-hmm. that we're fighting. So the Commodus yeah. of Levitica. Yeah, sorry, she's a woman. Brooke just mouthed to me, woman, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, she's you're right. the Commodus yeah. of Levitica. You're right. You're right. I was just trying to be. I was. I was having some levity. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. either way, yeah, she's a very, very powerful woman um, who controlled a lot of society in one place of the world and it was kind of upsetting to see that she was the leader of of such a vast land uh you know but nonetheless uh she was going through this villain monologue and bell was um uh having a moment and uh it was it was bad because she got didn't she get kind of frustrated at bell yeah, Belle kept interrupting her. She's trying to collect her thoughts. She's trying to actually talk to you guys. She's plenty frustrated already, but she is being cut off by these outbursts, and that's when that's when she picked her target. Yeah. So do you want to kind of describe what picking a target means? Um, so obviously for, um, for our viewers, this was a level 10 fight. So for a big final battle, which this was planned to be um, just over the course of one school year, I knew that um, they'd only be at level 10. So obviously this bad guy is not a world-ending threat. They're not trying to kill gods or anything. Um, But I wanted to show that Solara was capable of that. So she came in with um, basically a blade of soul cage. And it has an actual name, but the party hasn't found that yet. So I'll leave that out. But anyway, a lot of her abilities activated as the battle continued onwards. The more people she killed, the stronger she became. And this way it could scale up and I could sort of demonstrate a higher power level than what she started at. So she came in with no soul in her blade and that reduced a lot of her abilities. So right off the bat, 
um, meta, I knew that she had to pick a target right away, someone to kill so she could boost herself up um, when she decided she wanted to attack the party. Okay. Uh, and so that meant that she was going after Belle, right? Yeah, yeah. As frustrated as she was getting, and she knew you guys were lying, and you just kind of kept blowing her off, she thought, you know what, I'm just done with this, and goes to step off the platform to go stab Belle and pit trap with the Ram yep. and then she, Yep, she fell into my pit trap, which was designed to roll her down into a, like a V-shaped pit which at the bottom had spikes on it and taped to the top of the spikes were vials of Remoraz blood so that when you got impaled by the spikes, it would break the vial of Remoraz blood and almost kind of brutally inject it into you. Mm-hmm. And it was, and Remoraz blood is like very flammable. It burns a lot. And so that was basically what we used to hurt Solara on the first go. I, and here's the thing. I didn't think... That it would be Solara on the first go, but that's what I I set it up to do a little bit of damage, and it just kind of served to annoy her a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it served yeah. to unhinge her, which is what you guys yeah. were trying to do. The crazier she became, the the more reckless she became. Yeah, and so we the the good thing about kind of what happened was she walked over to try and kill Bell, uh, and. She had two of her people with her, um, both uh, Roth and uh, a large construct. Have we talked about Roth? I don't think we've talked about Roth. Roth is actually another really fun character, and and he is a sort of side NPC, so I won't go into him a ton. But basically in Levitica, the prevalence of magic means that if you're capable of casting high enough level spells like for general utility – you're basically guaranteed a job in order to be able to just keep casting these spells. So Roth yep. is a Levitican teleporter. He knows the teleport spells, and his ability is just to be able to cast teleport, but as soon as he runs out of spell slots, he can continue doing so while taking um, necrotic damage for the spell's level and points of exhaustion for doing so. So he's just tired all the time. Because that's his entire job yeah. is just to teleport around whoever Solara tells him to, and that's yeah, actually Roth really is crazy. Fun. I like Roth a lot. Yep. He's a super cool concept. But um, Katya, but yeah, so we have that. Yeah. We have Katya, yeah. uh, and I think we talked about Katya a little bit. But as a quick recap, do you want to recap what Katya was really quickly? Katya was this um, disheveled, disfigured janitor who our party originally met in the Faradillion Palace, um, the capital of Levitica. And um, unbeknownst to them, they received a shield guardian modified to some of their specifications after, who continued on a lot of their journey with them. But eventually the shield guardian fell in these shadowy tunnels they were in beneath beneath this island. And then um, this new robot is here. And it's like an iron golem plus the Lord of Blades, but I kind of designed it to look after or to look like a hunter from Halo. So it's got these big Mm -hmm. glass rods coming out of her right arm and this big shield on her left arm, this hunched over head and this um, bright pink slit down the center um, of light that emanates from in between these huge armored plates. But Solara, during this villain monologue, talked about how this was Katya, who was the byproduct of um, some kind of uh, mana, mana based accident 
And basically, yep. she's just been shoving Katya into different construct bodies in order to suit her needs because constructs are autonomous, but they're non-sentient. So she just uses souls to make her construct sentient and give them more mm -hmm. combat prowess. Yeah. Okay, cool. So she had those two people, and then she walked over and tried to kill Belle. And so the first thing that ever happened in combat was... Uh, Florea handed some rope to Ronin and or to Tatsuo, who we now know Ronin as. Tatsuo held on to one end of the rope. Florea looped it around his arm, jumped down to get in range of this spell that essentially would bring Bell to him. It's like a, a very polite lightning lure uh, where he just says, get over here, but in a more like, I'm trying to keep you safe kind of way instead of more like a, you know, I'm trying to hurt you kind of way. <laughs> so he did that, grabbed Belle away from, uh, it's like a, it's like a friendly misty step. Yeah. yeah. That's probably an easier way to like, it's like a, Hey, do you want a misty step to me? And the other person's like, Oh cool. Yeah. And then that's basically what it looks like. Uh, and so we did that and then Ronan pulled us up and then, uh, what happened from there? Uh, Talon, do you remember what went on from there? Or Brooke? I don't think I pulled you up all the way. You were still holding on. Oh, yeah. And we were yeah. having a hard time getting you up because we were in combat mode. So yep. we were taking turns. And I think... I don't think she, we, like, shot at her or anything. I think Ronan eventually was like, okay, we can't stay up here. I'm casting Featherfall on everybody and cutting the rope and we're getting down there. That's what it was. Yep. Yeah, you're yeah. right. And you're then right. he just yeeted himself off the tower. You're right. And so we did that, and then we tr she started uh, reading this scroll. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, uh, Talon? About the scroll that she was reading? Yeah, I can talk about that. But before that, did we tell everyone about what we found and sent to the moon? I, I think we remember. talked about the moon last time, didn't we? We did talk about the moon, yes. Yeah, we talked okay. about the moon. We talked about okay. sending the book to the moon. So, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I just don't want to get to that part and then miss it. Yeah, yeah. so basically, Solara reads off this scroll, which is very similar to the scroll that we had found in the Arl's journal. Yep. And it's a giant construct. And this one was in the form of a worm coil. Yep. that Barry can probably better describe than I can, if you want to go ahead and do that. Yeah, absolutely. So the point of, um, the point of this scroll is to uh, use, rel or use materials relative to the caster's location. So if you're in mm -hmm. a desert, it uses a lot of sandstone and lime, or if you're at the bottom of the ocean, it might use a lot of coral and sediment. Um, if you're in lava, it would use a lot of granite. But... So Lara had the idea when she had this scroll, I'm going to pre-make what I want mm -hmm. this construct to be. And she had this mm -hmm. giant metal 150 foot long worm coil engine created and had it shipped with her here. That's the entire point of her boat was just to move yep. this thing around. Mm -hmm. And um, so when she or when she reads her scroll, it just activates the materials she already has, rather than relying upon the stats that the scroll would normally give. And right. so it summons this um, worm coil engine. It's like that um, destroyer from Transformers, or 
any other big, uh, large metal worm basically meant for burrowing, but happens to be very, very good at combat too. Yeah. So we got that all up and then, um, yeah, so she had that, or sorry, blah, 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 Alan talks, take two. Um, she started reading this scroll. We tried to stop her from reading it a little bit. I, I cast, I think, like two different types of anti-magic spells you on did. her. You tried to counterspell it, and I don't Dispel think a scroll magic. is counting. I don't think counterspell counts against scrolls, and I don't think dispel magic can just dispel an item, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I still hold my ruling on that. Yeah, it's fine. No, yeah, you're, you're totally okay. Um, so I tried both of those, and then we didn't really have an option. And as that started to uh, activate, we were like, "Oh shit, we're mega, we're mega boned if we don't summon our own." Yep. And so Talon we or Phalios tried to stab it once with his dagger of sharpness, <laughs> and oh boy, that did kind of get my point across. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go through and t- kind of talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about what in particular. Yeah, I mean, like, the he stabbed it with the Dagger of Sharpness, and then what did that do? Yeah, um, so this thing is easily 35, 45 feet in diameter total. It's made of these giant metal rings that just spin around it to help it burrow, and they've all got these huge, um, what do you call the spirals, like on a pencil sharpener or corkscrews, kind of, around it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the splines. It's got splines all running down it. Um, so Phileos, just before reading the scroll, reached out and stabbed it, and like 18, but doink, like damn near shattered his dagger. And I was like, this yep. is not... The kind of thing you can just stab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I walk up to it. I stab it. Holy shit. You found its one weakness being stabbed <laughs> with a small dagger. <laughs> with a butter knife. Yeah. <laughs> a very sharp butter knife. But nonetheless. Uh, so we ran around. Uh, kind of got away from Solara. Uh, we had a wonderful uh, strategic move of I think it was fog cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tatsu had gone up and like you know tried to like slash at Solara, and her armor was first of all had the drip, but second <laughs> was dope as hell in terms of stats and like slashing at her with his sword really wasn't doing yeah. much, so he switched focus and was like, ah, this is not working. Uh, bye, and cast fog cloud. And retreated as fast as possible. And so we we stopped Solara from being able to see w- with that fog cloud, mm-hmm. fantastic fog cloud. Stopped Solara from being able to see where we were, and ran around to the other side of the tower where Phalios did a whole bunch of crazy magic. Phalios, uh, do you want to talk about your crazy magic that you did to summon all of the necessary materials and things? Yeah. So. Well, first of all, I had to get out of sight to be able to do it, and that was fun as we're getting attacked by all these different people. So I think I just did fey teleportation and flopped myself over behind a spot <laughs> where people could see me or couldn't yeah. see me. And then from there, I um, well, we had the the gold rope that everything was like attached to on my my wrist and my ankle. 
And I cast Aurelius's Arcane Armory. Yeah, we had a couple that, spells from that book, and so that was one yeah. of them. And that basically just allows me to take whatever I want from wherever it's at at any time that I want. So I just pull out this uh, rope and basically summon the journal, the spell scroll, and the giant uh, gem that we used as the arcane focus for the spell. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then once I got that, we had the, the spell scroll inside of the journal, so you couldn't like yeah. ever get it out because the journal yeah, itself yeah, yeah. was locked and i think we've talked about that before in the, in the previous there was a whole episode. sequence that we had to do to get it all set set up and everything like that mm-hmm. yep yep so i cast knock and that yeah got the um <laughs> <laughs> that opened that's still it, so and awesome took out, yeah and then i took out the scroll yep and then and, and also at the same time it the the big crystal what we we had also sent a crystal to the moon mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so we had we brought the crystal back as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We brought the crystal back, but I don't even actually think that we actually used that specific crystal. We did, I didn't we? Thought, we? Oh, I can't remember. Didn't robot, it just draw from the one? Your construct came center. out of the center, so it did use yeah. the one in the center. But you guys had oh, a great okay. idea. It was very yeah. cool to take a shard of it mm-hmm. and keep it safe in case you guys needed it again. Um, but Solara's already came with one because it was pre-built yeah. and yours used yep. the one in the center, but kind of like the rope traps, I couldn't tell you whether or not it was worth it to do that ahead of time, but it was a really good idea. <laughs> you yeah. <guys>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought so too. I think we were, I think we missed, we didn't miss, but I also want to bring up another point that we dealt with the, uh, giant construct in a very creative way. And I have to applaud Alan for his creativity on how he dealt with that. What I do. With the construct? Can you remind me? You cast polymorph on the construct Unca- and turn the construct Katya, yeah. back into Katya. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He I forgot about that. That's like into- the most yeah, critical part that was of this the crazy entire thing. thing. So, yeah, like we were running away and yeah. uh, like she was, Solara was intending to use Katya against us. Yeah. And so I just said, basically she had admitted to me that Katya was made in a similar way to how Florea was made. And Florea looked at this this person shoved into a construct and felt horrible because he, he felt like she was being treated the way that he had been treated, right? And he said, I refuse to allow this to be this way. And he polymorphed her into her old self. He polymorphed the construct into the version that they had seen when they originally met her at the Faradillion Palace. Mm-hmm. And so Except she became not deformed. Right, exactly. Yeah. She was perfectly like like all of her ailments were gone. As if someone had like basically looked into this this um scenario and said, Oh, like let me make you the most healthy I can. Right. And yeah. that's basically how it was. And so he polymorphed Katya into her old self and she was like, what the fuck is going on? Barry, can you give us some insight into Katya's brain at that moment? Yes, please. Please. Imagine being crippled your entire life and you were basically kept in a psych ward until your early teens and then you're let out and you work a janitor job for a few years 
And then one night while you're sleeping, someone slits your throat and your brain wakes up in a body you can't control and you're just perceiving everything it's doing. And you're with these three people and they wind up taking you on a flying boat to an island and there's lots of shadows everywhere, but you can't really do anything about it and you just find yourself following their orders. Um, You find some creative solutions, but it hurts you to do that, especially when you try and speak. Um... But then one day, these shadows just start ripping your body apart, and you just lay there, and then you're sucked back into this strange cage, and another really big metal body's rolled out, and the process goes through again, and you find yourself being shipped back to this island, again, very deja vu, and then someone transforms you into um, a body you can use with normal legs and a normal back and, like, no pain anywhere and complete free will as everyone should have, yeah, she definitely freaked out. Yeah. Let me get this super super straight, Barry. Are you telling me that the dapper gentleman the entire time that we had them was Katja? Yeah. What? Yeah, I had no idea about that. Oh, my God. That is brand new information to me. Wait, the, how did I see Katja in the tunnels then? Was I hallucinating? No, she was ripped out, right? And then, like, her soul... Like was materialized could, on the yeah, ground. Yeah, could manifest. Yeah. Wow. Well, I had no idea thought, about that. I thought Damn. he was hallucinating. Now I feel awful. Yeah. No. I was. I was. Oh, she yeah, died like crazy, a dog because you guys all thought they were illusions, but the shadows actually got to the construct and just ripped her soul yeah. out. Um, yeah. In a few seconds, they ganged up on it because they knew the construct would have much less of a fighting chance than any of you guys because the construct is mentally inhibited. Yeah. So they but we didn't. We had no idea she about had that. A second, uh, like, of laying there on the ground um, before she was ripped back, um, yeah. basically to to a a kind of soul cage. But yeah, that's wow. that's how that's how Solara got the entire. Or this was one of her original tests for like construct combat capability with wow. a modified sentience. I had no idea about that. I think that literally just, like, I had no idea up until this exact moment Rats. that that was the case. I feel, makes wow, feel better that's that crazy. I tried to treat the dapper gentleman or the, I da- think the dapper good. lady as, like, an actual I person. Think, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we, we were pretty explicit in trying to be like, hey, like, we're trying to be nice. So well, Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you put the mustache on him. You gave him a name, but it turns out it was a her, and Katya did well, like that. Yeah. But the one yeah. time she ever tried to speak to you guys, she tried to, like, move her joints in a way that, like, the whirs and clicks she used to try and create words. And just her moving the body in that way just hurt her so much that she couldn't do it all the time. She could only do it in, like, very important circumstances, and she just had to suffer to do so. But yeah. um, for the most part, um, Solara didn't want those in with... Um, what do you what do you call them like regular troops just in case something went yeah. wrong but you guys were her expendables yeah so well ultimately i polymorphed her back into a normal drow body and she ran along with us for a little while there and we summoned the Your co- the colossal construct with katya too mm-hmm. um i don't think that katya necessarily got access to the construct but katya was there when we did it. I mean, like, yeah, all of that was kind of amorphous, too, as to who had control, because the rules are there specifically, but I didn't right. want to, like, shunt any of you guys out of having a good time. So, right. you know, if it came down to it, 
she could have controlled it, but by design, she couldn't have. Right. So. Right. So we got all of that put up, and uh, we built this huge construct. Do Brooke or uh, or Talon? Do you want to kind of give a description of the construct that we made? I couldn't tell you. I know it was dope as hell. <laughs> it was huge. It was basically like an it was like Iron Giant. Yep, this was I an would Iron say, Giant, except for made out of stone. Yep, using the using Do the map from Eberron's construct. Um, yeah. yeah, so actually it's supposed to look like um, old, old bionicle lore of uh, Mata Nui, um, the, the world creator, but wow. instead of an actual head, it's um, it's got one Eldritch Cannon, so it's not straight out of Eberron. Um, it's got yeah. one Eldritch Cannon, and instead of on the shoulder, that's its face. Yep. And this massive turbine in the center, which came into play later. Yeah. So, um, we basically were inside the torso of this creature, and there was this big elevator in the center of it, and um, we started to need to prepare uh, a a bunch of different things, and we could control the construct in a certain way. Um, uh, Ronan, Brooke, do you want to talk about kind of what we could do with the construct? Could I actually interject? Uh, I think we had... Oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, one thing that was huge in this fight, right, was deciding how you guys wanted to play it because I didn't want the construct to be a MacGuffin. Alan and I talked about that a lot, how we never like fights to just be like, here's the scroll, use this to do well. It could have been a pure spellcasting fight. It could have been one or the other with one side of construct or, um, you know, anything in between. But Solara's construct was covered in these, um, like, two-foot-long repair insectoids that could... um, basically solder and weld portions of the bot to heal it, but as um, her worm coil is thrashing about, it's spawning new creatures on the ground. So yeah. that will that did come into play as they had their bot too, as um, they're now lots of little tiny creatures are damaging their bot little yeah. bit by little bit, um, getting inside, starting to attack them personally, but that was exponential damage. That wound up doing more yep. than any of the constructs in terms of like single rounds towards the end. Yep. And so we did that. Uh, and then, uh, Brooke, do you want to kind of describe what we could do with our construct? Yeah. So, I mean, the way that we um, piloted this thing was by extending pieces of our consciousness yeah. into this giant mech. I, I mean, it made me think of like some fights from Pacific Rim. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly like I was getting was. that vibe. It was, oh, so good. Yep. Uh, I mean, like, we actually, like, Barry had statted out different attacks that we could do with, yeah. like, damage included. I think we could use the arms, we could use the legs, and there was a special... There was the, uh, no, there was the face. Those thing. were your three standard turns yeah. for three for yeah. three characters to use, and you guys could have used them all consecutively. Um, mm-hmm. Three of you could have made arm attacks and stuff, but you guys wound up keeping it pretty diverse with um, yeah. Florea on the turret. Um uh, Tatsuo on the arms and Phaleos on the legs. So you guys had yeah. this like very um, unique style of drift where you guys were all in control of the bots and doing yeah. things that you all like to do, which was which was very cool that these three things were diverse enough that you all wanted to do your own variations of them. Yeah. I think some of my favorite things about them were that like we could creatively kind of use different things we would say oh i want to rip the the worm in half 
I think that was something that Tatsuo did. I uh, threw it over our knee. That was what it was. Do you want to describe that? I mean, like, I was just trying to do, like, some of the dopest moves possible during this fight. And I think I remember taking the worm and, like, picking it up and then just kneeing it. Yep. (laughs) I think. Just breaking its back. Yeah. Bane style over your knee. Yeah. Can I also just say I was so happy with how we dealt with Slara. Yeah. (laughs) As we were in the mech. We yeeted her so far. Okay. So, yeah. That that was the first. The first part was um, when we first got into the mech. My main priority as Florea, being an abjuration wizard, was protecting us all to make sure that no one hindered us while we were in the mech. And so my very first thing that we did was I said, oh, I need another concentration spell. Oh, no, I have polymorph. Uh, Katja, I'm so sorry. And basically, I just threw the iron bands of Bilaro, which we had acquired earlier in the campaign. What does that do? At Katja. The iron bands of Bilaro are basically these big iron bands that, like bind you in a personal prison cell body body handcuff yeah body handcuffs yep and so if you fail the save to escape from them you can't succeed for 24 hours or something Mm -hmm. like that um i'm not exactly sure on the perfect timeline of that but nonetheless um so i threw that at katya and dropped the polymorph at the same time so she returned to her old body which sucked i didn't like that Mm -hmm. but then she was Stuck in that form, and then I cast Globe of Invulnerability around all of us, which basically said no spell could come and affect us inside the uh, inside the sphere. And so we were able to uh, defend a lot of ourselves from spells outside of the sphere uh, pretty consistently. And the great thing about that, too, was that if someone tries to cast a counter spell at me while I'm counterspelling something, they can't get it through because counterspell is a third level spell. Even if it's upcast with global vulnerability, even if it's upcast, if it's a third level spell at its most base level, it can't go through. If it's a fifth level spell at its most base, or sorry, if it's a, a fifth level spell at its most base level, it can't get through. Yeah, up to fifth level. Um, and so it's crazy powerful. And that spell, I would say, was one of the key factors to our entire game uh, because it allowed us to pretty much unabated um, attack with the mech without being uh, like really affected a ton. Um, and so, like Roth would teleport into the mech like all the time and then try and attack us, and he wouldn't be able to get any spells through if he tried to like misty step through. I would like counterspell his misty step to try and stop him from getting into the into the room. Um so there were so many counterspells. Both me and uh and Phalios were casting counterspell like mad lads. The very first thing that we did in the mech as Solara sadly found Bell uh hanging upside down from one of the snare traps. Yeah, but this is like five we- rounds into the fight to kill someone <laughs> with eight hit points. I know. She couldn't I know. do it. That was so frustrating. You guys did I a know. wonderful job. But Belle was just like running around doing nothing and she was just like, guess I'll die. And she was the only person that got hit by a snare trap in the entire fight. Our ally. Fuck. Well, ally. Yeah, I would say she's an ally. We were trying to save her, you know? Yeah. So um, that happened, and Solara killed her, and then we got super pissed. I think I remember 
Who was it who like dropped down and grabbed her and just threw her away? I th- was that you? Well, Tatsuo? first of all, it was Phaleos with know. the stomp. Oh yeah, Phaleos did a stomp on her. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Tatsuo grabbed Solara and just threw her against the side of the mountain and just dug her down into the into the side as she just like scraped against trees and ground. Or wait, was that you or was that me? I don't know. I think it was actually it might have been me. I'm not sure. Maybe, One of us but did it. Was it was right? an anime mm-hmm. type throw too, it was where like anime she just throw. disappeared and like trees are just yep. shaking in a line down the mountain. Yep. Team Rocket blasted yeah. off again. Well, no, it was like it was like Team Rocket, but into the earth. Yeah. Yes. You know, and so she was just getting completely pummeled by all this stuff. She was like just absolutely just like rocketed so far away from the fight that she was essentially not in it for a little while. Mm-hmm. And so we were just battling it out with this mech as much as we could. Um, and, uh, Phileos, Talon, do you want to go ahead and talk about the ultimate move and how we got there? Which one? There's the, so the, many of them. Remember the big chest, the big chest thing? Where we had the mecha, mega laser? The oh, four, yes. remember the four yeah, actions yeah, yeah, mega yeah, laser? Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so every time we would use some sort of attack on yep. this on this construct some light would flash up and it took us a while because there was a total of four lights or three yep. very four four, four lights total. there was there was four lights on this mech so every time we would use an attack one would light up and at the end of the turn essentially what we found out it reset so we had to get four attacks in. You had in a to get row. three. The fourth three light lit up if you used all three. You guys were being creative and using your own thing, but I wanted to make sure if you guys were one hundred percent committed to using your bot for the round that you were rewarded for doing so. Yeah. Well, but the thing was too that we only had three people. So how mm-hmm. were we gonna get to the fourth person? But we no, well, we held an attack. Your, the fourth was your ability, right? If you used arms, legs, turret that got you to the fourth one. No, nope. you had to it use opened up three. the option. We had to use three, and then you had to use an action to use the fourth one. Yeah. Otherwise, it would reset. Because we had to yeah. hold an action. Or yeah, unless we, we didn't hold have an action. to. And we were just yeah. doing it for shits and No, we, had, we, we, we kept doing it. We kept going one, two, three, right? And then and then it would, it would reset. Yeah. And we were like, what's going on? And so we had Tatsuo hold an action, and basically we just... Well, dumped all of our talk, actions at one time. Let's talk about what happened right before that, where you guys dumped 120 hit points off my worm coil. Was that the was that the snap in half the 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 knee break? It, it, I think yep. we just tore it in half. So, so what I do want to say is I loved how we wound up ruling the bots' hits almost like ability checks, where you guys told me what you wanted to do rather than just saying. I used the arms to attack. You guys kept saying, like, oh, I want to, like, oh, yeah. grab it in the jaw and, like, twist and try to rip its face in half. Or I lift it up and, like, RKO this worm into the ground. Then I would rule on what attack that would actually be. So that was very fun for me to do. But you guys I actually I definitely used will give credit. A, a grapple with your arms and a, a grapple yeah. with your leg and then another arm to throw your elbow up and just leverage um, mm-hmm. the bottom and top of this worm apart and just ripped it in half, which, of course, yep. early activated its second stage, which it was supposed to split in half anyway, 
but you guys did that a hundred point or a hundred and twenty hit points sooner than you were supposed to. Yep. <laughs> yep. And so that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did that, and then so you've now got uh, two halves, one underneath your foot, two- and one in your hand. I- can't remember exactly how we or what we used the big the big final move on it was the one uh, beneath your foot you leaned over yep oh yeah you heard you, you heard the rumble Wah! and in yeah. terms of sound effects i was so glad i found godzilla's hyperbeam for yeah. the constructs divine <laughs> intervention and yep. can we edit that sound in we can't. I. I'm not I going to edit yeah, the sound in. I don't have that trademark. I don't have that copyright, and I don't want to pay them. No, but yeah. yeah. In terms of in terms of our own little 10 second piracy, yeah, in our game, like that was the perfect sound to play, um, and the energy built up. Ronan, do you remember how much damage you rolled? If you're asking me for a specific number, I have no idea, but I'm assuming you rolled a 75. It was either. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm assuming it was a good amount. You rolled 75. Oh, yeah, that like barely crossed the threshold. Because it had 74. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you yeah. insta-killed yeah. half of the second stage of the fight yep. with this mm-hmm. awesome uh, chest radiation beam. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That was so dope. That was super dope. Yeah, and then so the right half actually became this, uh, this, this like worm that had mouths on both sides Mm -hmm. and so it was just like this disgusting death tube just death tube it was a blender of death a blender of all things a tube blender of death a a tube blender of death yes tube blender i can (laughs) uh, i know that words uh and then basically the last thing that that thing did was i I remember florea phaleos's fireball can't oh sure, yeah, oh, that's yeah, also yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. also true. We want to, we want to try and go through and like at least um, give credit, like, yeah, everywhere because you guys well, yeah, were sure. incredible. But didn't yeah. the the Solara incident happen before the fireball? I think it did. I think the fireball was the last incident. Yeah, yeah I think because it, did. it was on fire. Solara was the last one. It was on oh. fire when she hit it. That's why you guys were so okay. sure that she was dead. Um, okay. Okay. That's fair. So, yeah. yeah. I'm still not sure. So, like, Truthfully, this worm in this mech's hand, covered in hydraulic oil and grease, two spells which have been the bane of my existence as a DM for their excellent <laughs> utility in a creative player's hands, are now coming full circle as the lubricants of this worm are just flowing down its sides and flinging about everywhere. And because I wanted to reward whatever paths the players chose, be it using the mech or still being... Uh, still being spellcasters and fighters and such, Phaleos decided to cast a fireball. And I I was having so... It was really hard for me to do, because I was having so much fun using the mechanics of the mech itself. Yeah. And just, like, ripping and tearing. And it, I don't know. It was really fun. But I was like, okay, this isn't really working. I have to try something else. I was like, I'm just going to use a fireball. And then it hit, and then You're I did, like... like 20. Yeah. I rolled like 20 for damage and was so pissed. And then you were just like, roll again. And I was like, yes. And then well, I- no, that's <laughs> not what you said at all. You said, why? And I said, are you really questioning me right now? And you stopped that's and true. thought for a minute. And I then did you're say like, that. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then I just rolled again. <laughs> and yeah. 
did a lot more damage. I can't remember how yep. much it was, but basically it was a lot. any any uh any fire damage dealt like twice Double. as much, right? Yeah, because it was covered in grease and oil. Yep. And so uh Phaleos just like absolutely obliterated this thing. And now you and have an on fire ninja blender. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yes, there's an on fire blender in our hand now. And Solara I um I was using the mech's eyes to look around the entire time in this fight. It wasn't just me like l- like you know trying to block and counterspell and things like that, but it, I was also the in- the entire fight looking around for Solara because I was sure that there was some way that she was going to come back, right? And so one of my main goals was to look for her, and so I did. And I looked towards, um, like, one of the different areas of, of the mountain, and I found her flying towards us. And I think we took, you said she was, like, something like 150 feet away. and The robot had 150 looked, feet true sight. So that was when you yeah. were able to see her. Yep. And so uh, we saw that, and I was like, Honestly, this thing taking like three steps could surely get to where she is. And we kind of rationalized that. And we were like, yeah, that makes sense. And so we strode our mech over to Solara, who was flying through the air. And I just threw out the spinning tube of death and basically um, was aiming to get her to go through it. And I rolled an attack roll. And Barry was like, oh, no. It, it's not an attack roll. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I, was I said like, that doesn't Barry. make sense because the worm <laughs> is so big. It should be a dexterity yeah. saving throw for her. And Alan's like, oh, my wasted nat 20. So I rolled. I literally rolled a nat 20. <laughs> yeah. So I rolled natural one. I was like, okay, the dice have spoken. <laughs> yes! She just disappears inside this flaming, <laughs> spinning, spiraling yep. tube of death. Yep. And that was that. And we're pretty sure she's dead. I'm still not convinced. Who knows? <laughs> We're pretty sure. Uh, that happened, and then we destroyed the worm coil after that. And You remember how? I I can't remember exactly how. Can someone else remember? Like a drunk frat boy at a party, you grabbed uh, you grabbed oh, an no. end of it in uh, with either hand and just twisted and crumpled it like a beer can. Like a beer can. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. What happened to Roth? I think I remember he Roth got super Roth, scared. Roth, I wouldn't. Okay, believe what you want. Roth teleported away. <laughs> once you guys, well, yeah. once you guys dicked his pass wall, which I was super proud of. Yeah. Then, like, he was just gone. Like, yeah. I thought so, that do you kind of want to be perfect when he was on a different level and could have pass walled into your sphere? And yeah. Florea still kicked his ass. And I thought, oh, yeah. my God, he just disappears. He's got better so, things to do. Yeah. So there, during this entire fight, this entire mech fight, we also have to keep in mind that we're still stuck in the middle of this mech, controlling it in this globe of invulnerability, dealing with a bunch of little creatures that are inhabiting the inside of the mech. And we also had... Uh, you know, Katya in her mech body inside here, um, trying to get out because she was being con- she was basically programmed by Solara to try and hurt us, and we were just counterspelling as much as we could from mm-hmm. her so that she couldn't actually cast any spells that would hurt us because we knew we wanted to save her in the end, and 
We've been going through this entire thing. Roth was in here just trying to smack us up. Uh, you know, Tatsuo was just blocking and smacking everything from Roth away. And uh, we were just trying to keep everything to a, a non, like a non-factor on the inside. It was all about controlling the inside while dealing as much damage as we could on the outside, mm -hmm. right? And so that was all going on on the inside of, of the mech while all of this was happening on the outside of the mech. And it was a, a lot to deal with. And Roth eventually was just like, yeah, this is just, it's not going anywhere. And Roth left. So. Too much work for him. Yeah. He's he already scared. has to deal with a bunch of work as is. Yeah, he's scared. He was scared, scared of us. He's scared of us, for sure. <laughs> I mean, casting any more spells, there's a chance he just outright died from that many overcasts anyway. That's true, because like, he took necrotic taking... damage every time he did, right? Well, yeah. So basically, I modified the Evocation Wizard's 14th level ability to overchannel yeah. spells, but I used that for this um, basically wizard who teleports everywhere, so he's taking yeah. necrotic damage, he's losing his life force, and he was on, like, exhaustion tier 4, so... Yeah. Whoa. Well, if you hit tier 5, you just die. Exactly, that's what I mean. Like, no matter the damage, you're just dead. So, yeah, yeah. he's like... Goodbye, guys. Yep. And so he probably was just like, nope, I'm going to die. I need <laughs> and a so, nap. Yeah. Roth is crazy. Uh, there is actually Roth has kind of inspired me to make a certain type of character that I'd love to talk about someday. Oh, no. Um, but uh, there is some cool stuff in the Unearthed Arcana for Rangers uh, that Ooh. is like the Ranger changed stuff. Uh, if you guys have ever seen that, um, uh, basically... If you're a ranger, you can like swap out some of the uh, class abilities that are in the PHB and replace them with these options, right? And and one of the original options for that just says, whenever you take a short rest, you remove a point of exhaustion. And so basically oh, all you do I is like take that. one level in ranger and then you take warlock and then you take, uh, or no, and then you, yeah, then you take warlock and then you take sorcerer. And then you just continuously short rest, gain all of your warlock spells back, turn them into, uh, into sorcerer spell slots, and the, or turn them into sorcerer points, and then just keep healing yourself up, and then keep doing that over and over again, and you just never sleep. Interesting. So I think hmm. that'd be super cool. Uh, that was that's like a, a character idea that I was like I was like how can I stay awake forever just be a warforged could well yeah but like mechanically you know what yeah, I mean? not actually yeah. having to like literally like if, if it's like someone who's like a mortal who is just not immortal but a mortal being and they are just like staying awake constantly they never go to bed and they're always doing spell casting you know what i mean it's just like this this innate kind of like secondary thing for them um but yeah roth was just crazy like like tired at this point probably mm -hmm. and so he left um, Barry, do you want to kind of explain what happened with Katya? So, it sort of turned into, like, an amorphous moment. And being back in her regular body, you know, realizing that it couldn't strength check its way out, which, speaking of, I still don't know how she failed that one with, like, a plus nine to her strength checks. You guys are insane. Like, the, yeah. it, it all came down to the dice. Um, but... The machine knew it couldn't get out, and so it's basically just executing final protocols, and um, 
Katya, who had been like manifesting spell effects um, through these, through like the expenditures of the mana tubes on her arm, utilizing um, this liquid magic in order to replicate the effects of spells, um, used all of them she had and just anti magic field, anti magic field, anti magic field. Mm-hmm. And you guys can determine whatever you think that means, but that was its final protocol. If it couldn't yep. get out, it assumed it was going to die, and it did that. Yep. Each and anti-magic so, field targeted a different effect. Do you want to kind of go into what those different things were targeting? I don't, because I think that has a lot of implications in the future. Well, I mean, you explicitly said some of them. I did, and um, I kind of wish I hadn't. That's one okay, thing sure. I, I did give to you guys, and I was like, I don't know, because now that you still sure. have her, um, or at least uh, the item um, that you got yeah. from that experience, I don't know if I want to talk about that a whole lot more. That, that'll okay, be some sure. fun role play in the future. Okay, sure. That's well, fair. ultimately... What I will say then from Florea's perspective, he believes that what came out of this creature was basically um, a a soul cage that continuously just allowed the soul to be inside of it. And the chest opened up and the soul cage with like these different like flickering lights on the inside of it came out. And his knowledge of the arcane allowed him to discern that there was a soul inside of this this cage that was inside this creature. And he assumed it to be Katja's soul. And so he now has it, and he carries around it around with him in his mage hand, trying to allow Katja to experience nature and beauty and light and sunlight and the outside world instead of having to be caged up in a place where she couldn't even enjoy those things well. Uh, alone you know and so his one of his new goals is to find her a body where she doesn't have any inhibitors or anything like that so that she might be able to live and be happy in a body that doesn't feel alien to her um do and remember, so that's one of floria's new goals do remember and this is the reason i don't want to talk about it though you discerned that these were indeed reminiscent of what souls feel like um your arcane sort of perception there was there or there were not there was there were three fragments um not fragments but three of these slivers inside this cage yeah so i'm not sure exactly what that all means but nonetheless it it felt like you know floria was like wow like i can't allow this thing to stay here and be you know, just rotting away. And so that was his thing. He he now has this permanent soul cage that he is trying to free people from because he hates, hates, hates when people torture people the way that he was tortured. So that was the end of that. Um, I didn't get... Oh, yeah, and one of the materials that was necessary, I think we should go back here really quickly, was necessary for um, summoning the Colossal Construct was a blade of the cons- of the writer of the spell's uh, make called an Aurelian Blade. And what the Jarl had given us was called King's Foil, uh, which is an Aurelian Blade, right? And so we had that, and that was one of the things we used. I was charging it up the entire fight in case I needed it, 
Um, but the fight didn't, it didn't really deal with our bodies as much as it dealt with the mech's body, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was more of us trying to use the mech and, and we didn't get hurt as much as the mech got hurt. Um, and so it just wasn't as necessary for me to use it, but it was still super cool. So we got some cool new magic items and stuff like that. We still haven't even like looted any of the area that we've gotten here at all either. And so there's a lot going on still. Which I am um, so excited for, by the way. Yeah, I'm excited too. Gosh, we should do that. We should just like talk a little bit after this, this podcast is done and talk a little bit about it. But, um, other than that, I think that's kind of how the final fight ended the mech, us inside of it, trying to save Katya while she unintentionally tried to kill us all. And, well, intentionally, but unwillingly, I would say. Uh, we ground Solara to a tiny burning pulp. And we crushed the worm like a frat boy crushes a beer can. <laughs> and we successfully ended the, uh, the attack on us by Solara. I think that that wraps most of it up, right? That was your final Brooke, fight. You yeah, that was it. It was so amazing. Uh, I'm I'm gonna take a moment here and just kind of go around and say, does anybody have any par like parts that were like, what were their favorite bits, or like, do they have anything else they'd like to say about the final fight before we sign off? Because I think we got some more more bits and bobs that we could go over. You know, Brooke, what was your favorite part? Oh man. I mean, honestly, I think the uh, scene, I guess, where the music kicked in and Barry described this giant mech oh, yeah. coming out of the ground, oh, yeah. it was just so hype. And I mean, really, so like cool. all of the combat that we did in the mech, I feel like we were very creative with how we went yeah. across things and being able to... <laughs> I think I was the person that crushed the yeah. mech oh, like yeah. a soda yeah. can. Like a, yeah. That yeah. was very satisfying. I really have to give a credit to you and uh, you and Talon because you guys started that off and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so creative and cool. And so I was following your guys' lead on that and that was so awesome. You guys did great with the descriptions of all those. I was really trying to think of ways. I mean, like usually I try and think outside of the box in yeah. terms of... Well, I mean, everything related to D&D, &D, truthfully. Right, yeah. But I was really trying to think of how I could best utilize the mech that we were given in ways that were outside of just what was written yeah. on the sheet of paper. Because, and that was so cool. I mean, there are ways to expedite boss fights, yeah. uh, like ripping a worm in half. Right. Or, I mean, there are other ways to go about fighting other than just kicking and punching. Right. But that's kind of so. the whole point of this bot, too, where... You know, how many prob how many lich problems could you solve in the world <laughs> by just having a hundred and fifty foot tall robot? All of a sudden Ooh. hit points don't matter. You just yeah. slap. <laughs> you can you can give him a good spanking and your problems are solved. That's sort of the whole point behind this. Yeah, true, true. Uh well Talon, what do you think your favorite moments of this final bias final boss fight were? Yeah, so I think, honestly, for me, the most fun that I had in this final fight was actually the preparation going into it. I I absolutely loved the final fight. It was by far the best combat session that I have ever had so far. Yeah. And But there was just something about, I mean, we spent, what, like six or seven, uh, it was like six or seven hours like in character like prepping yeah. for this fight. And there's yeah. just 
honestly, that my for me was like so much fun. Like being able to I think it was just so and cool. Think, and we got the journal itself and trying to figure yeah. out how we can use all these new spells to our advantage and like that itself was like by yep. far took the cake for me. Barry did a yeah. great job constructing this whole thing. I think I was probably one of the only people that took damage uh, thanks to Alan. Yeah. I know there yeah. might, might have been Tatsuo I think took a little bit of damage. I can't remember but it was just uh, mm, not really. I, yeah, I think I was That's the only. Cause I was pretty hurt for a while. Yeah. Virian got some hit points back for me, but Alan, you did an amazing job protecting us. And I don't yeah. know, just the teamwork across Thanks. the board was really it was really fun to be a part of. But yeah, that's what I liked. Yeah, I, I loved doing that. That was so cool to like be able to just take some time and set up and prepare. Like feeling like feeling rewarded for being creative for like finding a safe place for everybody to be so that you know Solara didn't have any bystanders that she could kill coming up with cool places to put like the tower or like snake like snare traps or preparing for things like that that was so fun yeah um sorry were we asking favorite parts of our fight or favorite parts of the session i think honestly favorite parts of that definitely fits in with favorite parts of the fight because that preps for the fight for sure yeah absolutely yeah I went in here expecting like eight to 10 hours, you know, a little, little generous. You know, I figured half the time would be setting up and half the time would be the fight. We didn't yeah. get until we didn't get until the morning of the fight until four o'clock in the afternoon. And we didn't yeah. finish the fight until what? Two thirty like two in the morning. Yeah, it was later than that. It was early. Like, it, it was insane. But that made me feel so good because we've never had like a late session before, yeah. and never anything close to that. I know we were exhausted, but that means so much to me that you guys were invested enough to sit there and spend, you know, a day, like a yeah. whole ass day, overtime and all, to play my game. Like that. That yeah. just makes me smile. It was. I think there were moments definitely where you know the frailty of our human form came into play where we yes. were all like, Hey, we're getting a little hangry. Yeah. We should probably go eat food, <laughs> things like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are just things that happen when you play D and D over the course of an entire day. Yeah. So, um, you know, but that all worked out really great. I would say, I mean, I think that it, it, it was awesome. Like having a whole day to invest into that. That was really good. So. I mean, I would say I was pretty dialed in going into things. Well, I know being dialed in going into it is fine. But like, as we were all like, oh my gosh, we're all so hungry. We need yeah. to refuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's fair. You know, yeah, I mean? calculating so. hit points after like 16 hours at three in the morning. Like, whew. yeah, that's, that that's tough. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Barry, what was your favorite, uh, favorite stuff of it? Of like kind of like the whole thing, you know, the the going into it, the prepping I, for it. You got a little bit more of a wide scope for that. I don't have one. I mean, it goes all the way back to I had this brilliant idea many, many years ago for a character of mine to keep a journal. Well, then this character in the epilogue of that game decided to create the basis for where I'm running this campaign at right now. But his journal still existed. And it had like some notes and my Mars and stuff in there. But I realized... One day while reading the monster manual or something, I think it was like Vecna's journal or something, I thought, oh my god, this needs to be a magic item, and it needs to have effects in order to do so. Mm -hmm. um, so like towards the tail end of this game, I knew that part of the effects of this item were that I wanted to put like some custom spells and give them to you guys um, in this book, but 
that didn't work out because I didn't have the pages to do it and it wouldn't make sense for those spells to be there, just those spells. So I made a whole spell list. Um, I incorporated three manuals of Golem Creation, which are statted out. Um, it's uh, an old set of armor, uh, magic item armor, that I'm still in love with to this day, as well as the Warforged um, three Unearthed Arcana subraces. So that's how I integrate them into this game. Um Mm-hmm. It's got um, it's got like excerpts of the characters' memoirs. It's got uh, what else does it have in it? Um, a bunch of a bunch of like lore drops for for this game. Yep. Um, but the spell list is the primary one, and just like working on that. Oh my god! I never thought it would take that much time ever to <laughs> write a book like that. I was up so late, so many nights, handwriting. Um, like a yeah. stylized journal too, because I had to highlight things. I had to add these annotations on the side. I had to draw the arrows and stuff. And that was awesome to be able to present to you guys at the end. And then for you guys to look through like the whole journal and your faces light up. And as you're progressing, like through the reading of this journal, I get to check off like the magic item stats. Like when you guys, um, um, I don't know, for example, like you guys were reading like the Warforged stuff and you were like, oh, what is this? I was like, you discovered three manuals of Golem creation and your guys' faces just lit up. And then you read the spell Mm -hmm. list and I said, okay, this book grants you access to a personalized um, expanded spell list. Choose choose spells for levels that you can have from this book only. Customize them yourself as long as you have slots ready for them and your guys' faces lit up. And then you finished reading the whole book and only because you read the whole book, right? If you guys had just like sat there and flipped through it and been like, oh, okay, like this is cool, but what do we do with it? Only because you guys spent like two hours looking at it. um, You activated like its uh, its greatest possible form, which was that your intelligence increases um, by two and your maximum increases by two. Yeah, Yeah. your current and maximum increase by two. Um, so that <laughs> and was it just awesome. kind of worked out that we were all int casters too. That's why mm-hmm. I did that though. It was so awesome that an eldritch knight, a blade singer, and an abjuration wizard made up yeah. the party because, like, <laughs> yeah. that was awesome that I could focus this book on a singular stat, which thematically fits, but it benefits all you guys too. It doesn't just, you know, I don't know. It, it worked out perfectly, but um, then like. I don't know, being in person too, that was huge to be able to sit down at a table. You know, Alan, you got out mm-hmm. all the pieces for us to like build the oh, yeah. map of the game together. And I was like, how do you yep. do this again? You know, it's been months since we've done yeah. anything like that. And my God, it was well, refreshing yeah. to just get out of quarantine and see your guys' faces and yep. lay at the table, mm-hmm. socially distanced, of course. A, uh, don't freak out, guys. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rather big table. Um, it's it's literally the, just yeah. gigantic. Yeah, it's a it's nice. yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Um, Playing, playing on an actual table, um, like that was that was awesome. Yeah. Um, it was awesome how you guys just dicked Solara off the bat, you know, and just <laughs> yep. got me yep. off to a rough start. <laughs> um, missed out on missed out on those abilities, but I got to play Katya, which is a character I'm super excited to play. Um, that'll be like the next character I design because I think I've got a really interesting thing that she can do. But she got yeah. shafted too. Um, your guys' traps didn't really come into play or anything like that, um, but I'm I was uh, I was so excited to like make Solar's armor and the sword to stat out Katya to like really really get into Roth and figure out what he would do to write two monsters side by side, um, the Worm Coil with 
um, two stages and um, more hit points, but your bot with a uh, with a higher AC and less overall hit points, but both of you yeah. guys with like equally different abilities, I knew it would come down to a war of attrition. It would, yeah. it would come really close. You guys were statted differently, but almost equally like bot yeah. for bot. And I was really interested to see how that would play out. Um, I like, I was so excited to know, cause it, it does suck when you've got like eight pages of notes too. And you know, seven of them you're not going to use because that's not just the way the session went. You know, like Talon yeah. casting yeah. a fireball because I did have to write in portions of the game for like, what if they do want to spell cast and not use their bot? It was True. awesome to be able to put all of that work into play and for like no reason. It doubles the damage. Like it, it it's something so simple, but it was a point I was trying to get across and, and Talon picked up on it and it just made like that, train of my thought for weeks leading up to this worthwhile mm -hmm. like that was mm -hmm. awesome payoff you know visualizing like an anime style hit with solara just like scraping down the mountain oh um, yeah that was super cool um and and just her staying in the fight the whole time just getting wailed on but half of her like more than half of her damage is going to katya like that was that was super oh, yeah, fun that was true yeah because um Katya was originally a shield guardian, so I kept that in there for the Iron Golem. Um, yep. So Solara was just, like, surviving. And just that moment, right, where I imagined her with, like, the vapor trail behind her and, like, the rings from her supersonic flight as she's just, like, screaming towards you guys, just, like, haste, dash, dash, move, haste, dash, dash, move, just flying towards you guys. You just, like wound your arm back and just I let you cut G and just bonked the <laughs> fuck out of her like she, like she was so frustrated she was diving right for the chest she was ready to massacre you guys and just one big old nope I mean yep. straight yep. to horny jail just the biggest bonk <laughs> of all time like I couldn't believe it it was like 2am and I was like this is exactly the way it should have gone Yep. I think my favorite part, I think that kind of leads into my favorite part, Barry, because I felt like I had been built. I've been building this abjuration wizard since the beginning of the game to be extremely unwavering. Right. And I had made this character so starkly attuned to just making sure that I could protect myself. Right. So that I made sure that Florea was safe. But then going through and seeing, you know, I could expand that and help my teammates with that same type of training. That to me, just feeling like the pinnacle of, I mean, at least at this level of abjuration wizard. And like, you know, me being on my game of just like, okay, like I'm in full protection mode. Like I need to make sure I know where all the threats are. I need to check for Solara. Knowing that if I had checked for Solara even a turn later and I hadn't looked that round that she would have been able to get in and just like wreck us. Mm -hmm. Like that made me feel awesome. Like I was in full protector mode and I felt awesome about being an abjuration wizard in that fight. Even if I like didn't take a ton of damage, it's because I prepared to not take damage. I have I have healing spells prepared hmm. specifically for you guys 
but we I didn't never, need I it. never used them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it feels really good for everybody else because I know that in character and out of character, you have my back. So I'm allowed to go right. just ham. Yeah, I will tell you. ham on people. I, I think I, I've kind of kept this to myself for a little while, but I really don't mind it too much now. Ever since level five, I have had, um, oh, what's it called? Barry, do you remember that spell? The the level three spell that wizards have to heal people? I can't oh my God, life transference? No. Life transference. Is it? I have prepared okay, yeah. life. Tra- yeah, it's life transference. You take basically like 3d8 damage and then you heal someone for twice that amount. And so I hurt myself yeah, to then heal 48. you guys. Yeah, you take four, which yeah. cannot be reduced in any way. And yeah. one creature and of your so, choice you can see within range regains a number of hit points equal to twice the damage you take. It's one of the wizard's only, like, quote-unquote, healing abilities. Yep, and the only reason I can utilize that effectively is because I have so many other spells that basically give me hit point buffers. And so, like, I have been prepared for so long to, like, bust out healing spells on you guys, too. But, like... I was so happy with like how everything panned out. Like I had been abjurative for so long that like you guys didn't even barely need it, right? Mm-hmm. And I was able to utilize all of my supreme protective magics and I just felt so cool. The one time you cast haste on someone else in this game was amazing. When when was that? Uh during the Gressel fight. Oh yeah, yeah. So I love doing that, that kind insane. of stuff. Like just like being a buff wizard, being a support wizard is the coolest shit. Guys, if you've never played a support wizard in your entire life, you are missing out. <laughs> you are <laughs> missing out. It is so cool. Playing an abjuration wizard is the coolest thing. I swear to God, it's amazing. Especially if you've got like a really cool, fun flavored like team around you and like a cool way to kind of like say it. Uh, like for example, like my character control is a lithomancer right so they control rocks and their their arcane ward is just a bunch of rocks that float around and protect people i did say i'm playing a support fighter you're kind of playing a support I mean, fighter the best way to support your allies is just to kill the things that are hurting them that's true yeah the best cc yeah. is death and yeah and now you're even closer to that too because we're trying we're still trying to respec you into that paladin which we've we're really close to being done done with so mm-hmm. and that's going to be super awesome i'm really excited to see that pan out same, so same. i think we're we've pretty much got all the mechanics down we just need like mm-hmm. the um the tenants, uh, and we need the the rest of that all kind of just like laid out. And once we get that, we're pretty much done. We have so. the tenants. Just need to edit them, I believe. Right. Yep. Uh, and the and the intro summary. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna do yeah. for that. Yeah. So I think that's mostly it. Does anybody have anything else they'd like to say about that session? I just really was super excited to kind of uh, you know immortalize it in the podcast too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think a lot of character growth came from before during and after the fight yeah too i mean ronan had his whole thing with getting rid of his mask and he was literally like used magic to suck the ink out of the pigment in his skin because yeah. he had a tattoo on his face which yep. was more that was more symbolic of his character growth than i think anything else yeah i don't know i feel like this story i don't know i feel like it all really kind of culminated in this last session because everything that we had worked towards as characters and as people really kind of came to fruition. Totally. I really totally did. agree. From Phalios, like, 
really being a spellcaster, right? Like, normally he was kind of split between his roguish abilities and his wizard ones. Um, you know, that, that really came to fruition as him being a, a full-fledged spellcaster. Uh, Ronan, you didn't use the Ring of the Incorporeal once, which has been your yeah. signature magic item for oh, almost yeah. a year. Right, that was your bread and butter. It's a good ring, though. Yeah, it is. It's a but really you good didn't ring. Use it once in the fight, and that was always your go-to. I mean, it was as mm-hmm. much of a go-to as barbarians. I rage, you know, like yeah. that was yeah. just how it always started, you know. Yeah, like that didn't and get it used just was, once. It was, it was Ronan recognizing that for the greater good, it was unnecessary to do that. Mm-hmm. Ronan recognized that she, you know, he was a part of a team. And that he needed to make sure to make sure everybody was safe. And so coordinating with everybody instead of just hacking and slashing like, you know, like a crazy person was not necessarily the best course of action in this current state. He felt good. I yeah. mean, he could make his own decisions and make his own strategies yeah. for the first time. Not well, the first time, but he felt that he could do his own thing for the first time in a while. Totally. I agree. Uh, Talon, Barry, do you guys have anything else that you'd like to chime in with? I, the only other thing I can say is I wish everyone else listening would have been able to be there instead of us yeah. cramming yeah. this into two short podcast episodes. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was really Not fun to close. be a part of, and I'm super excited to get back into it here real soon and see where totally. things go. But I yeah, agree. I just can't thank Barry enough for this, everything so far. Totally. Yeah, seriously. I agree. You did fantastic, Barry. I love you guys. Oh, you're fantastic. Aww. We love you too, buddy. Um, I think that's pretty much it, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. it. All right. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you've been fantastic for getting all the way to the end through uh, two whole podcasts on the same subject. You, if you have listened to this much and both of them, wow, you're so cool. We think you're cool at least. <laughs> yes, applause. <laughs> We think you're cool. (laughs) Thank you for getting through this with us. You're so fantastic. We hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, wherever you are having your day. And um, we will hope to see you again soon. Okay. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) And that's it. Whoa. We're done. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. The fact that you have made it here to the end means the world to us. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with your friends, or if you have the time, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a great way to show support. You can follow us on Twitter at A Journey's Rest, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash A Journey's Rest Podcast. If you have any questions for us to answer, you can send them in to journeysrestpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for sharing the precious pieces of your time with us, and we hope that the rest of your day is just as wonderful. See you again at our table soon.